what happens is when kids are not doing well uh, at school, then they come home and parents get on them and point out everything that they're not doing well. Mm-hmm. Where does the kid go for a, a sanctuary, for a place where they feel that they are accepted, that they're going to do okay, that they have some kind of encouragement? There's nowhere to go. Right. Because they... now it's at school and home. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Lost Art of Parenting. We are here to help educate, entertain, and encourage you regarding all things parenting. We want to help you understand what you are doing and why you are doing it so that you can increase the odds of raising children who are prepared for life while enjoying your job as a parent and enjoying your children along the way, which I think is sometimes the hardest part of being a parent (laughs) is actually enjoying being a parent. Can be, but it is the whole point, right? (laughs) Yes, ideally. My name is Jesse Mayer. I will be your host and we cannot do our podcast without the parenting guru herself. Kim Cross. It's great to be here. Thank you. We're excited to have you. So today's topic, we're talking about school readiness. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that a lot of parents kind of have a lot of questions when it comes to that. So I kind of jotted down about four questions that I thought we could maybe talk about today. Does that sound good? So things I want to kind of talk about are what can parents do to prepare their children for school? How can parents support their children's academic achievements? How can parents hinder their children's success by helping? I put that in air quotes for those of you who are uh, (laughs) not watching on YouTube. And what things have a huge impact on school performance, but have very little to do with school itself? Okay, good questions. We have a broad range to cover in not very much time, but I believe that you can handle it. So (laughs) We'll We'll give it our best shot, Jesse. So I have to start with a joke. Jokes, you know me. I'm ready, hit me. All right, here we go. Why would students want to study on an airplane? Why? So they can get a higher education. Oh. <laughs> I know, corny. Higher education. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, let's tackle some of your questions. So, first of all, um, I like to start with the fact that kids mature at different times because I think most people know that, but they forget. So when I taught preschool, I actually had parents come in and say, where does my child rank in the class according to how well they're doing in school? They were preschoolers. And I kept telling parents, this is a marathon, this is not a sprint, Mm. right? So every child matures at a different rate. Girls typically, as we know, mature sooner than boys, but there are a lot of us, I'm one of them, that was a late bloomer, Mm. right? And we don't really understand the impact of this until we look at um, males often who don't aren't actually brain developed ready and um, fully ready for formal education until their early 20s. Mm. So I know personally of some young boys who were really struggling through junior high, high school, got to college and went, wow, I wish I could go back and do high school over again. Right. This is now making sense to me because they were, they were ready. And it's unique to all of us. It depends on our families of origin, our birth order, our nutrition, our exercise uh, regimen, 
our maturity. There's so many different factors to this. And I hate to hear that parents put their kids in a particular track that they have to accomplish a certain thing by a certain age, Mm -hmm. because that's not true for all people. Right. And every every kid matures differently and is ready for certain subjects and certain tasks at a different time. So with that said, um, our personal ownership of our education is a big factor. So I want kids to learn because they have a love of learning or intrinsic love of learning as opposed to the carrot dangling at the end of the stick, which right. are grades or, or being paid for grades. Um, So ownership of one's education is a big piece of the puzzle. But there are five factors that we have found that have a big influence on academic achievement. Uh, One is relationships. The second one is experiences in school. Uh, That goes to our past and then our present. Um, Attitude and motivation. And then I have some tips and tricks and the learning environment that have a big impact as well. And finally, it's brain health. So we can walk through those individually, but... So there was five total. You said relationships, experiences, experiences, attitude and motivation. Correct. You know, tips, tricks in the learning environment. That's kind of a broader category, but... And then finally, brain health. So five kind of major points that can really make or break academic... They have a big impact. Absolutely. So let's talk about relationships. So... Teachers and parents, we know, have a huge, huge impact on us, right? Absolutely. Um, If you have a teacher who you like and who you relate to and they like you and it's healthy and it's positive, you're going to like school a lot more. I mean, I have so many teachers from high school that even when I go back to my hometown, I'll swing into campus just to go see them. Like they had that kind of an impact on my life because of what they taught me or the experiences I had with them or whatever, but they are a huge part of my fondness for that. And then subsequently why I still like learning about different things that they were maybe focused on. So like Absolutely. my debate teacher, my theater teacher, those are two teachers that hit huge influences on me. And it's some of the stuff that I still study today, you know, watching tutorials or, you know, watching theater performances, stuff like that. Right. They were a great role model. They were a big motivator, Mm. but it was all about the relationship. So I often will ask when I do trainings, I'll ask parents, okay, think of um, your elementary school years. So parents kind of go back in their minds to that time frame, And I say, okay, what were the textbooks you used? Name one. And most parents kind of get this blank stare like, wait, what? And I say, name off all the names of your teachers in elementary school. And they do this. So the point is, we don't remember necessarily what we learn, but we remember who taught it through Mm. that relationship, right? Yes, That's the connector. That's huge. So we can overcome a lot of challenges in our life, especially academically, if we have those positive role models, if we have those positive relationships, if we feel like we are supported, but the opposite is true. If you've got negative role models, negative, unhealthy relationships that are punitive or disrespectful or uncaring, it's going to have that negative impact on your academic perspective, right? So we know that relationships um, have such a key impact on us, particularly the five people we hang out with the most. So I always encourage parents, know the five kids your kids are hanging out with or the teachers or adults or parents or coaches or whoever they are. And how are they influencing your kids? Hopefully it's positive. 
Well, I mean, I even see that in my daily life. Like I, I have interns here that work for me here at the church and it's like, I've started doing stupid little mannerisms that they've come up with in their, in their joking and playing that I would have never done that as a standard thing, but because I see them all, you know, five days a week here, mm-hmm. that's become part of our nomenclature. That's part of our culture or vibe. And so it's like, because I see them so often, they've influenced me and I've influenced them. They say stupid stuff that I say all the time too. <laughs> and so it's like, but it's part of the relationship yeah, and it's fun. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's very easy to see how kids, especially kids, kids are so impressionable. So depending on who they're with could really change what direction things are going in in their life. And here's the key piece. <clears throat> you can have good relationships in, in your children's lives. Maybe they have a great relationship with teachers, mm-hmm. but they still have a bad experience at school. Yeah. So the two don't necessarily go hand in hand, right? right? So if you've got a negative um, bullying situation or you're not doing well in school, or you can't find friends, but you have great teachers, you're still going to have the impact of both. So that's why they're both spelled out as relationships being different from from experiences, right? So do you remember a positive or negative experience from school that you want to share? So this was a negative thing that I did, but made a huge impact in my life. And it was I was in a theater class. One of my favorite teachers ever respected the heck out of him. He was phenomenal at what he did. He's my theater teacher. And we were supposed to go on a trip and I forgot to get my paper signed. And I like worked with him a lot. So I kind of felt like I had like a a free pass on stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I ended up forging my mom's signature on my paperwork and he found out he was like, that doesn't look, he's like, I've seen your mom's signature before. So he called me out and he was, I've never seen him more upset. He was like, he used the word disappoint, which it's like after the last time my mom spanked me, it was, I laughed at her. So then she just started pulling the, I'm disappointed on you thing, which is way worse. I'm like, please go back to the spanking thing. That was way better than the disappointed thing. But he pulled that on me. He's like, I'm really disappointed. It had weight. Yeah. I thought I could trust you. And it was a huge understanding in my brain of like, I just because I have a really good relationship with someone doesn't mean that I can take advantage of it just because. And like, so it was a negative experience in that it was like, so terrible feeling because it's shame like, and it, guilt. Well, yeah. and it like it really drastically changed our relationship for like almost a month because he was that upset about being lied to. Trust was a huge thing for him, right. and so, but it taught me a lot to the point where I'm like, I don't accept those kind of lies either, and I don't take advantage of things just because I think I'm, you know, in with the people in charge. But what I love about that is it was a quote negative story, but it turned out positive because you learned a good lesson. Absolutely. Right? And you can have positive or negative experiences, again, with either relationships or other people in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more somebody we love and trust, um, the more we, the less we want to disappoint them. Absolutely. Right? So that's why relationships with parents and teachers are so critical to yes. kids. Um, okay, so the, uh, the third one we talked about is attitude and motivation. And all too often, parents can undermine their children's academic performance and achievement without realizing it, Mm. okay? So they mean well, but they actually end up making things worse. So you think, how can that happen? So as a former teacher, I was a teacher for 20 years. I taught fourth grade for half of that. 
And one of the most frustrating things was kids who didn't work up to their potential. They were mm. smart, they were capable, but they just weren't doing well. And unfortunately, I started to realize early on in my teaching career that this had a lot to do with the parents, not just the student. So with underachieving kids, one of the things that I learned, um, and one of these, these are one of the tips actually from the Love and Logic Institute, which is to bring, have parents ask their kids, bring your papers home, graded papers every week, despite the grade. So even if the kid comes home and shows you a picture with a big red D on it, D minus, whatever it is, the parent should say, huh, how'd you get this one right? Ignore all the red ink. Ignore all the ones that are incorrect and find something on the paper that's correct and ask, how did you get that one right? What happens is when kids are not doing well uh, at school, then they come home and parents get on them and point out everything that they're not doing well. Mm-hmm. Where does the kid go for a, a sanctuary, for a place where they feel that they are accepted, that they're going to do okay, that they have some kind of encouragement? There's nowhere to go. Right. Because now it's at school and home. Right. Right. So when I, I remember doing this with a student, uh, and the only thing I could point out was, you spelled your name right. <laughs> Your handwriting's getting There's better. <laughs> I mean, it was really bad, but it was it was a start, okay? And then the second tip that I have for parents is as you they bring home papers and all you're doing is focusing on what they did well, they're not afraid to bring papers home anymore because they're getting encouragement. They're they're learning, hey, I really worked hard on that, or I'm I'm smart, I, I got that one right. Gee, I'm pointing that out. I'm not pointing mm. out the negative. They're getting enough of that somewhere else. Right. The second thing is, as they're doing their homework, have them hold the pencil. It's okay to help a child with homework when asked, but don't take over and take the pencil because isn't it true whoever's holding the pencil feels and looks like the smarter one? Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're the one doing the work. Right. So allow them to do that. And, and it's okay to give help, but when asked. Yes. Don't take over, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, those are two great tips. So uh, tip one was find something to encourage them on when they do bring bring the papers home, encourage them to bring their grades home, and then encourage them on the things that they did well. Just focus on Just what's focus right. Just focus on the positive stuff. Mm-hmm. And then two was don't take the pencil away. Make sure that there's still the one doing the work yeah. because they have to feel empowered by holding the pencil and saying, I did this. Because otherwise, if you're kind of doing it for them, even if they're giving you the right answer. They check out. Yeah. They and, check out. Or they're like, oh, well, my mom helped me with it. But it's like if you're sitting next to them and they're writing it down, then they're like, because they're usually giving you the answer. You're just writing it for them or whatever, well, and right? They, they take ownership of it. And that leads me to a story. I had a client who called me up. Her daughter was a sophomore or junior in high school. And she said, she's failing all her classes. Mm. And the very first question I asked was, are you checking on her grades? And she said, well, of course I am. I said, stop. She said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, whose grades are they? She said, well, they're hers. And I said, not anymore, because you're checking. You're, you're, bug, you're bugging her. You're nagging. You're reminding. You're, you're worrying about it. She's not. She figures, why should I worry? Mom's got this, right? Mm-hmm. So I told mom, stop checking the grades and let her know that you're going to stop checking. Stop reminding her and allow her to fail. And mom said, I can't do that. And I said, she's already failing. Yes, you can. Nothing (laughs) changes. And if you don't get it under control now, this will not transfer over post high school into college. 
you have to have this figured out by elementary to junior high at the latest. Mm. So I gave her a lot of tips and tricks on how to do this, how to navigate it specifically. But basically, I taught her to teach her child that she owned her grades. Her grades had an impact on her future, her career opportunities, her college entrance exam, her everything. It was the quality of her life, not her parents'. And through that process, the payoff was huge. Now, it took a little bit. It was about a four-month window where the grades actually went even farther down. And <laughs> Which mom is was, probably the full panic mode of, Mom was panicking. <laughs> this isn't working. I said, hang in there. Hang in there. Keep encouraging. Keep pointing out what's going well. And about four months later, her daughter called her and said, Mom, I got my finals grades back. And she said, okay, how'd you do? And she said, I got all A's and a B. And her mom said, okay, so you're working hard. And, you know, anyways, a great success story. And there's a process to that. But when parents let go of it and they allow their kids to fail and feel the weight of that and take ownership, things get better. Well, and you see that, I mean, coming from my background of being a dance teacher, seeing dance moms they're kind of this notorious monster that walks through the doors of dance <laughs> studios where they are more adamant about how their child performs or the solo they get or whatever than the child is. And you can see them literally just check out. They they're shut like, down. Yeah. They show up and they're like, I don't. And then, then the parents come to me, well, why didn't she get the solo? And it's like, because she wasn't as good as she should have been. But mom, it. you she, got an A, but your daughter got a C. Yeah. And it's like... <laughs> And it's like, but I know that they have the drive. And the moment I tell the dance moms, oh, you're not allowed in the studio anymore. And the kids just show up and they're just with me and I'm pushing and challenging them. And they're getting the affirmation of I'm doing this because I want to and because I can. And they're doing all the work. Then it changes everything completely. So right. I had a pretty strict uh, no parents in class <laughs> thing, which did not go over well with a lot of the parents. But it did solve a lot of those issues where they were getting all of this pressure and then they just basically checked out there and you so go. i think that's exactly what you're talking about right absolutely and you know with specific things for kids um, i deal a lot with add kids um, and kids with some learning challenges and i i focus in on what are their strengths and weaknesses and mm. then i help parents understand what those are and i get into some very specific skills and techniques that help their kids approach reading uh, prior to reading, there's actually some techniques to use there. How they comprehend, how they focus, how they concentrate, what their learning environment is like very specifically. Um, we get into all the other things, the brain health issues like exercise and sleep and diet. There are very specific foods and amounts of exercise and quality and amount of sleep that will make a huge difference mm. in kids' academics performance. Well, and I think it's really important that it's going to depend on, I mean, there's some general ideas, but ultimately it, every child's unique, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest part about your job is like you can't, this is, and I, I, I use this analogy, but like it's like a workout, you know, you go online and you just find a workout. That's also not great for anyone you know like i see a personal trainer because he tailors things to my body like i have a bad shoulder i have a bad knee 
at my body is unique and I need specific intake on my diet and specific workouts to make my body work and raising and parenting children and how your child learns is going to be unique as well. So anybody that says there's a quick fix option to make every child better learner is probably lying, right? Like, Or they if, just don't know any better. Or they don't know any better. And it's like, yeah. you know, those kind of things, they pop up in the age of self-help books and stuff. It's like, oh, this 100% works every single time isn't a reality or acknowledging who these people are, which is uniquely made children. Right. And, who, and some things are general. I mean, we all could use more sleep, yeah, right? For you and sure I both. <laughs> could all use more sleep. Oh, yeah. Um, we could all have a better diet. We all need to exercise more. Those are pretty universal. But particular types of kids and particular types of ADD actually respond to different kinds of diets differently. Right. Uh, so sugar, not good for most of us. Protein, good, but not good for certain things Yes, and at certain times of the day. So anyways, um, one of the fun things that I learned as we wrapped this up was how important those three factors were, the sleep, the diet, and the exercise. My daughter went and took her SAT test. Mm -hmm. They lost her scores. Okay. Imagine after a four-hour <laughs> exam. I don't want to do it again. Don't make me do it again. Just so, give me a full grade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she was pretty devastated. And I said, okay, let's, this is actually good. Let's do it, run a little experiment. So I applied some of these unique, specific things about exercise, diet, sleep to the next time she took the exam, which was a week later. They found her old scores in the meantime. Her second, the scores she took on the same exam a week later were 50% higher. Wow. And I attribute a lot of that to what we did differently the night before and the morning of the exam. Mm. So there's some, there's some things that make a big difference. Well, and I think what's important is, you know, you've given away some um, definite definitions of what does affect academic um, achievements and school readiness. You've given some tips on how to handle when kids are not dealing with grades um, as far as like they're not owning them. Mm -hmm. But ultimately the best thing parents can do is apply what you've given them so far for free out of this podcast. You're giving this away for free to all of our listeners, but then schedule a one-on-one -on -one appointment with you because then you can really dive into the, your child's unique needs and you can help them customize a plan and and, and move forward at a much faster rate. Absolutely, because parents will learn specifically what they're currently doing that's helping or not helping. Absolutely. So we can stop the bleeding there, right? And then I can um, ad address what the child's strengths and weaknesses are as far as their learning style and their abilities. And I can help just really boost up what is already a strength and how, how to help them overcome a weakness. So there's just so many factors, um, but coming in and spending one hour is a small investment for a huge payoff. Absolutely. So if they want to learn more about school readiness and academic achievement or schedule a session with you, they can go to rethinkparenting.com um, where you can really help your children succeed just by investing an hour of your time with a one-on-one -on -one session with Kim Cross. And there's an email and a phone number there, really easy to contact me and we get you in the calendar and away we go. Well, and you're doing remote consultations now too. So even if you're not in the area, you could do like a Zoom or something, right? Um, I do a lot of out-of-state so. uh, sessions with people um, and it doesn't have to necessarily be on Zoom. It can be just 
FaceTime or just audio over the phone, which some kids do better with, by the way. Absolutely. So make sure you guys go to RethinkParenting.com if you um, are ready to schedule an appointment with Kim or learn more about school readiness. But thank you guys so much for joining us on the Lost Art of Parenting podcast, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, everybody.